welcome to the TechWire podcast. Today's subject is the changing format of comics. I'm Julian Darius, and I'm here with Kevin Thurman, a writer for SecWart.org, and he's writing SecWart's upcoming book, Voyage and Noise, Warren Ellis, and the Demise of Western Civilization. Also joining us is David Bolland. He's studying at the Savannah College of Art and Design to become a comic book writer and artist, and he also writes for SecWart.org. You can see his most current portfolio at David Bolland, B-A-L-A-N, I wanted to have this discussion because I think that comics are in a transitional phase right now as we move into digital distribution. David, why don't I ask you first, where are we in comics as far as format goes and where do you see us going? I find that for the monthly format of 22-page issues, what have you, that Digital is really much more convenient than going to the store with time, gas, money, and then if you buy the issue and you finish it and you think, well, gee, that wasn't really worth the three bucks I paid for it. At least you didn't spend all your gas and time and money going to the comic book shop. It makes me a little bit less annoyed. That said, I haven't read a physical monthly in a long time, so I'm not really coming from that community. What is the format that you read on, David? Well, I'll read usually long-format graphic novels in print, and since the advent of digital, I've begun sampling the, the issues from DC, Marvel, any other of those publishers that are available on digital medium. But as for everything else, I pretty much just read most of my comics as long-format either trade paperbacks or graphic novels in print. Kevin, where are we and where are we going? I think that we're actually in a really challenging time right now, not just because of how transitional it is from going from physical publication to digital publication. I find that it's also a really challenging time because of how we have to redefine the boundaries of the medium. And it's really interesting because I don't think it's just comics that are experiencing this, but every single medium that, that exists currently is kind of going through this because it is such a radical change taking the artifact and converting it into this digital entity that no one can really touch, but we can all still experience in a similar way to the physical comic. And Kevin, do you read primarily in print or digitally? I try to do a little mixture of both. I'm more fond of the physical than the digital, to be honest. I read comics in a mixture of two, and I find that like David, I like the graphic novel for long-form stuff, stuff that I know is going to be on my shelf for 20 years. But for, you know, a new issue of Superman or something, I don't mind reading that digitally. But it occurs to me that these are two very different experiences and that we take in the page very different when we read digitally versus print. I think that I tend to be affected more by comics that I read in print than digitally. And I sometimes find myself wondering, would this be making more of an impression on me if I read it in print? Do I read digitally in a, in a different way that makes, say, a double-page spread of an explosion seem less affecting than when I turn the page and that's all that's sitting in front of me on the page? 
as opposed to on a screen where I think we're trained to just kind of get done what we have to get done or we're used to email and these kinds of a little more emotionally distant reactions. And I think it has something to do with intimacy with the concept uh, that are being presented in the, in the book. If you are on an iPad or a web browser or even a Kindle, you're sitting there reading your comic book on a device. That device can do so many different things. If it's on the Internet, if it's a web comic, you have like all these other distractions of your bookmarks, other places you can go. How many times do we turn on our computer and before we realize what we're doing, we've checked our email, we've checked our favorite blogs, and we've you know, gone through our daily routine? You know, there's all this distraction, whether you realize it or not, when you're reading on a device that can do so many different things. But if you're reading a print book, that print book is just that print book. It can't do anything else. And so your mind is completely absorbed into what it is that you're reading. Kevin? When you're dealing with a physical comic book, due to the tactile sensation of it, dealing with you know, something corporeal, you can be more affected by it because I think it becomes more entrenched in your memory, whereas digital, to me, almost equals something to be forgotten easily because at that point all it really is is information. I mean, we can call it an experience because, you know, we're obviously interfacing with the comic book through the screen, but I think that there's that added sense of taste and even smell when you're actually physically holding the artifact itself. To me, what we're talking about when we talk about digital versus physical is a matter of function. For instance, you both agree, and I agree with it, that there's a convenience to the digital. You don't have to carry around a long or a short box around. You just click, point and click, and you're, you're, you're reading whatever you need. There's a versatility to that function that's great and that's, that's amazing. But to me, when you start adding in all that versatility and all those functions, you're making it into a tool, and that tool is for information. That does not mean that it cannot be artful. It's just the way that perhaps we're using it now isn't the most conducive to that art. I don't know. I think that's why we haven't had a lot of great, you know, web comics or anything yet. We will, but right now it's in its infancy, so we're just going to see the growing pains of it for a little bit, I think. Has anyone read Scott McCloud's online comics? I have not. I've seen a little of it. Some of them you had to scroll the browser strangely, like to see the panels laid out in a chess-like design that would use this concept of an infinite page, or they would, if a character was falling, you would have to scroll down really far to sort of see this character falling. And McLeod's point was that, at least on a browser, the page was infinite. It, it didn't have these dimensions. And so he was really interested, especially in the late 90s, in exploring these concepts and creating comics that could only exist digitally, that is, could not be transferred to print. Uh, yeah, I've seen, uh, I've seen those ones where he has the chessboard and uh, uh, the one where you have to scroll backward and forward and down and back. I don't think they were as successful because they were difficult to read because you had to consciously take yourself out of the reading experience in order to put yourself back in it. It's a very stuttering experience because, okay, i got to scroll down to figure out what happens to this guy. It's, 
was very unnatural. I think actually the webcomic that I that I like the best of his is the one I did my two part article on, which was the right number, which is where he uses essentially Flash and JavaScript to make a comic move. How you experience the story, the technology, rather than being a oh a distraction, oh I can go check my email, I can go to this, you're you're focused on how this technology is causing the story to move forward. I think that was really successful, at least in that particular aspect. I don't think that McLeod's early experiments with web comics were successful either, but I think that they did sort of suggest a way of using the digital format to create comics that were different, that were made for that format. And I think that, you know, as a kind of comics purist, I'm not sure if it's still comics. Actually, I, I am sure that it isn't comics if any element moves. So at what point does comics become animation is, is the, the question. That, that sort of harkens back to the answer that you need to have a working definition of comics, and people are still debating whether or not Scott McCloud's definition of comics is working. So if we were to answer that, I would have to say we need to agree or disagree on what the definition of comics is. Even McCloud's definition, which is so often quoted from understanding comics, uh, I think it's, it's something like static images juxtaposed in deliberate sequence, but it's very clear in understanding comics that he's talking about static imagery. Even in most home devices or tablets, you still have to zoom in and scroll, and sometimes there are animations when you're flipping a page, and all of that, at least for me, could sometimes get in the way of the way I used to perceive in print, a page just kind of being a page that I absorbed at once in a way. Real late in the philosophical work Being in Time by Heidegger, he talks a lot about the idea that if you're using a tool, once you become aware of it as a tool, you've disrupted that experience of using that tool. I think that very much happens in major transitions in uh, mediums, um, especially here you're seeing it a lot because this transition to digital is so strong. And you can't help but be aware every time that you're clicking the page to go to the next page or just reading through a comic online that you're reading a comic online. There's always that presence of, of it being a tool, so to speak. And I think that really takes the reader out of the experience of it being a comic book because one of the, I think one of the real hallmarks of it being a comic book is that physicality of it and that it can progress fluidly. You don't need to think about it as a comic book. You just experience the story as you read it. To go to what actually David had said earlier, he called it a stuttering experience when you read it online, and I agree. It's really that, like I said, it's really that awareness of it being a tool that you're using a computer, that it is digital. I think that's the stutter. Don't you think that part of that could go away just with time and familiarity? I mean, I'm sure that there were people when movable type was invented who 
looked at those books and said, God, this looks artificial. You know, it's designed to imitate monastic scripts, but you can tell that it's movable type, and that's really distracting. Do you think that some of this consciousness of the tool just simply evaporates over time? It it does because we're voraciously hungry to incorporate things in our environment into ourselves. And like you, like you pointed out, as time goes by, the digital comic will just be something that's there. It won't be a revolutionary thing. Right now, we're seeing this kind of mass exodus to, to, to digital because it's, it's like gold rush mentality. There's this unclaimed area that if we go into, we might make millions. And that is a bet that well, most of the major companies are going to start taking now. But I, after a while, you'll see that decline, and then I think that's when we'll start seeing real, progressive, really amazing web comics come out, or at least digital graphic novels or comics or whatever we're going to call them. Well, I, I think that we should keep in mind that digital comics are both a format parallel to print and a distribution system. Digital allows a company to, for example, keep all of its back issues in print. There's no reason why Marvel and DC can't keep every comic that they've ever produced in print, quote-unquote, in digital form. And they think that that is a great distribution model, especially if it's priced right and, and people can access those forever, whereas it might not make sense to offer trade paperbacks or single-issue reprints of, say, adventure comics from the 70s. And I think that's a, that's a powerful mechanism, but it does occur to me that I want to get back to this idea of how we read digital comics differently and how there is that way in which the splash page or the, the revelation of a wide panel or a panel that if I'm already zoomed in, I have to scroll down to see, doesn't affect me in the same way. And I find that strange because I can blow that panel up to the full size of my screen, which on my laptop is pretty big. It's a lot bigger than a comics page, and yet I find it less emotionally affecting. I think it would tend to lend itself to different kinds of comics writing and, and creation. David, you want to? You're saying that you've experienced each panel differently, uh, you know, if you have it on your digital screen. You know, your laptop screen is, you know, eight feet by nine. That's some ridiculous, you know, we got huge monitors type of thing. So you're saying you can see, you can zoom in and see that one panel on your side of full screen. Is that what you're saying, correct? Right, I'm saying that theoretically, because I can make that panel or the page larger on my screen than a comic page is wide in print, I would think that would be a more immersive effect because I can flip a page and I can suddenly have an image of, you know, whatever action is going on that is really big. I mean, it's, I'm looking at the screen now, and it's maybe twice as big as, twice as wide as a comic. But 
it's actually a less immersive experience for me. Whereas if I flip a comic over and I see, oh, wow, that thing Superman was carrying blew up, that's a lot more dramatic somehow, even though it's it's a lot physically smaller. It may have something to do, do you ever change the size of the page you're looking at on your digital format, or is it just generally bigger the whole time? No, I do change the size, but it seems that no matter no matter how zoomed in I am, it feels less immersive to me. We don't think of the screen as a physical thing, but of course it is a physical thing. And I'm able, in essence, to create a page in front of me of whatever dimensions I wish. And no matter what size it is, I don't find the same immersion that I have in print. But I think that once you start having to talk about sizing a piece of art, you are looking at it as art and no longer as that experience of reading a story. And I think that's why it's not as immersive. Um, If there was a way to remove almost your consciousness of it being digital, you would be closer to that experience of the physical artifact, but you still wouldn't have the same thing. And I think that's ultimately what it's going to come down to is that you're just going to have to admit at some point that a digital comic is not the same thing as a physical comic. It's just not. I can hold a physical comic. Even if you wanted to get into how that is a copy of an original object, I am still physically touching it. I can't physically touch you know, Animal Man 2 on my iPad. I, I, can, I can touch at it when I touch the screen to move the panels, but I can never truly touch that thing. And therefore, I, I'm always, in some respect, going to be aware of it as a digital comic. But to me, that opens up a different can of worms, which is if you can't have the real object, can you have that still complete feeling of reading a story that you do when you physically read a comic? And I know you said that it takes you out of that immersive experience, but I think that, as David pointed out, and I'm, I'm going to use this neologism a lot, it, 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 it's, it's a stutter. It's a stuttering experience. It, it, it always will be. Until, I guess, we figure out a way to make you know, hologram comic books. We, so you're saying that the fact that it's not physical is weird. You know, you're just like, okay, well, I don't have anything to touch. I don't have anything to see. But if people watch stories every day they can't touch films. I mean, maybe we put the DVD in, but that's it. You know, and then you're sitting there on a screen watching a story. I suppose the difference would be that you don't have to click anything to turn the page. It just plays. Mm-hmm. So interacting with the technology is distracting from what you're doing, but somehow interacting with a book by turning the page isn't. Is that because of just time? Like we've been we've been turning pages of books since you know 1600, or or what? What's the difference? Is is there a difference? Would probably be the the question. Hmm. I I think that's very that's very much correct, David. First of all, screen is a physical thing. I think that one thing that makes digital comics different is that, at least at the current state of technology, 
we're limited by uh, our screen sizes. Like if I'm reading a comic on my tablet, it's a totally different experience than when I'm reading a comic on my laptop. Uh, and I prefer the laptop because I might get those big panels that I still don't feel immersed in, but at least I'm not clicking to zoom in all the time. I read, I read books digitally quite frequently, and there's something about just being able to scroll down that you can almost lose your sense of having to scroll down, that that's just such a simple action that you're not as conscious of the tool. But comics are very different because they tend to require, especially on a smaller screen, that kind of zooming that isn't required with a, with a book. Yeah, it is, is my hypothesis that the digital comic read on any screen, medium, whatever, that requires you to zoom in so you can see what's going on is never going to ever be as immersive. It's not going to work. Because the way comics works, you don't just read panel by panel. You turn the page and you take in the whole page in your vision. You don't read the whole page at once. But you take in the whole page, and how many panels are on that page is really important to how you understand the images that are within that page. Your understanding is both of the panel and the page and the panels around that panel, and therefore the page and the next page in front of it. That's a very important part to understanding the rhythm of the comic that you do without realizing it. So any comic that requires you to zoom in on a panel to read it is going to fail because then it seems just like you know a peep show where they have, you have, you're looking through a little glass and they just slide images in front of you. It's not the same. You still say that on the biggest screen, it's still not the same as reading the print. So why is that? I do like that you mentioned peep shows because I was going to say reading comics online always reminds me of when I'm in peep shows. <laughs> I actually interact with screens far more than I do pages. You know, all day long, I'm, I'm on the computer. And so if I have a physical comic in front of me, it's such a, it's almost like a vacation in the middle of my day. You know, it's, it's this wonderful time where I can take myself out of myself and I can just sit and have a coffee and, and read a physical book, whereas I'm so used to using screens to kind of get things done reply to that text message, reply to email, that I have a very different relationship to the screen. You know, I'm not a naysayer about digital comics at all, and I think that everything you're saying is correct. I just, I don't know if this is something that will change over time or not. Basically what we're dealing with is when you transition to the digital comic, we're using old school terms physical terms to explain a digital entity, and that's part of the problem. The process of zooming into a physical comic does not exist other than we can pull the page closer or push it farther away. Um, when you're dealing with that, you're dealing with new terminology, which I think in, in part also sets the boundaries of what this medium can do simply for the fact, especially right now, that we just don't have the right terminology to speak about digital comics, it seems like. I mean, we're still referring to them as having pages. And I realize we have web pages, but to be perfectly honest, it's not a page. You know, you're just accessing a certain iteration on a server somewhere of some 
you're pulling that forward. A page is a physical thing. And I realize that may sound make me sound a little hokey and old-fashioned, but uh, it's it's tough what you're saying saying about the terminology that a web page, you know, because a web page has a variable length. Even if you think about blog, let's, let's, mm-hmm. we'll talk about you know how many blogs are there? Too many. And so we we go to a blog and we go and we scroll down and down and down, and each blog has a different length. You click on a you know an article, that article page is going to have a different length. You know, whereas a printed page, you have a book. You know, unless the book has somehow destroyed the laws of science or nature, the pages are all the same size. Every successful digital comic I've seen so far has a standard size. And yet, Scott McCloud is saying the strength of digital is that it doesn't have a standard size. But I haven't seen that ever used in a way that's immersive to a story. Is that possible? That's the question that's up in the air, and I want to ensure that Mr. McLeod has been pondering for years before we even had this conversation. I haven't seen a comic that uses that digitally, but I think that one of the things I'm getting at with the way in which digital comics are not as immersive is that the standard comics page size does not correspond to most of our screens. Most screens are wider than they all are taller, at least computer screens and television. There might be handheld devices for which that's not true. Now, we could turn a tablet on its side and kind of get that effect, but then you have the zooming problem because it's a tablet. But certainly large screens on which we might want to read a comic have very different dimensions than the standard comics page. And I think that Something that uses those dimensions, like you're saying, David, and like McLeod has said, could be very effective. Digitally, there's no reason why that page has to remain the same size page to page within a single work. You could do this in in print comics, too, but you could very easily have a single panel on a page or on a screen at one time. Now, you could do that in standard print comics, but you're paying a certain number of pennies per page. And that seems self-indulgent in print. In digital, we could do that in a way that might use the digital form in a way that it really hasn't so far. I actually have seen books that have that sort of, you know, how, how much you put on the page, you know, is important. And even in the concision commercial, you know, cram as much crap as we can get into this page or, you know, what have you, the amount of number of panels you have on the page still varies. You still have the splash page versus the six-panel grid. Six-panel grid is going to give us more information. The splash page is for something else, you know, for a larger amount of visual information. And I've seen some long-format books. Uh, Craig Thompson's recent Habibi has a lot of pages that don't necess- aren't necessarily packed with panels. There's, it doesn't have a lot. He tends to save this. Of this effect first. But then there's one page near the end of the book that literally had just one tiny panel in the center, white all around it, and since I won't spoil the book for anybody, whatever's happening in the panel, it's happening. So I, I've seen it happen in print. I don't think that's a distinction between print and digital. What I was trying to get at, I think, is that the web page, if you're talking about the Internet, has a different amount, has a, it's a variable amount of size. 
the only thing limiting that size is your screen and even your screen resolution. Because if you run a screen, I can have my same size screen, but if I like, you know, lower my resolution to 640 by 460 or whatever it is, and then I, I look at a web page, I see much less of that web page than if I have it up at 1600 by 900. And what I'm suggesting is that maybe that could be somehow used for comic. How? Search me. Scott McCloud is the only one who's tried. I don't think it's worked, but I don't think that necessarily means that the principle of a variable size is useless. To, to me, what Scott McCloud's doing with his digital comic is essentially it's like building a house with three walls. You're trying something you hope is really revolutionary, but in reality, all you're doing is recapitulating the need for further structure. And I think that at the heart of it, what we're talking about is that there is no structure, there's no uniformity to digital comics yet. They can be so many pages, they can be so many different shapes and sizes, especially due to what Julian's talking about, which is the variable nature of whatever computer you're using or smartphone or iPad at the time. So with us having that need to find our structure still, we're still, I, I think, in the, like I said, in the infancy of deciding kind of what this even is, really. I mean, I know we're calling it a comic book, and I know that it's, you know, you can have a direct translation of Avenging Spider-Man 1, day and date, physical and digital. There's something different there. And I think that even just in the understanding of how you interface with that object, for instance, is different. Um, what I mean by that is when you're reading a comic on the computer, underneath that page is almost an infinity. It could go on for thousands of pages. And the only way you would know that is if there was a ticker at the bottom saying, you know, one of a thousand or two of a thousand. Um, as it does like when you're on Flickr or like a, a website that you post pictures on. With a physical comic, you know that there's an end. You're touching it. You understand almost the totality of that object. And I think that that really leads to that complete feeling that you have when interfacing with those stories. It's different when you start talking about um, ethereal mediums like TV or movies because those in and of themselves have a different structure to them that you understand going in. Us going into digital comics, just to reiterate, I, I don't think we understand the structure yet of those. And once we develop that structure, I think that's when we'll really develop, you know, the vocabulary and the uniformity that's needed for a medium. Because like I said, it is infinite. It is huge. I don't think we could completely conceptualize how big this is. I like what you're saying about the sense of reaching the end of a physical book because that's such a powerful experience, especially in a longer book. When you're reaching the end of a novel or, or a really big graphic novel, your chest starts beating. You know, you're, you're really aware of coming to the end of the story. And sure, sometimes those straight paperbacks are clogged with junk at the end or back page material about the creation or, or whatever, but in theory, at least, you have some kind of awareness of, wow, this is really wrapping up. I, I do think that we're all sounding a little old fogey-ish, but it's hard for me to imagine 
having quite that same experience digitally, it's hard for me to imagine looking down and seeing, you know, 67 of 80 and having my heart thumped in quite that same way. With the physical item, you, you can measure your journey. And to me, what that lends itself to the reader is a real sense of accomplishment. If you're reading Don Quixote, that's, you know, 950 pages somewhat. And when you get to 930, you can hold that 930 pages and say, I read that. There's a real rapport there almost between you and that artifact and because you're sharing this history. But to get out of sounding like an old fogey, I do want to say, though, that I think digital comics are going to be absolutely amazing once we get them off the ground. Because that that infinity that I talked about, that not knowing the ending, that really lends itself to the fact that digital comics can, I think, touch something subconsciously that physical comics can't. And that's because there's an ethereal nature to the Internet. You can spend a, a random, untold amount of time just flipping through web pages for absolutely nothing fairly interesting or that's going to impact your life. But the, with that, there's that whimsy there. There's that almost impetuousness and recklessness. And I think if you could find some way to marry the two very well, you would have a revolutionary medium. You would be able to do things with it that you can't with a physical book, I think. But once again, that's, you know, I'm overstepping myself probably by many, many years. It's going to take a long time for us to really get there. I, I know we want to believe that we, we're already getting our hands around what a digital comic is and we know how to sell it because comicsology has taken off so well. But I would just reiterate, we still can't put all our eggs in the basket yet. But eventually... Yeah, we're going to have something really amazing and really great. Well, uh, I don't know. I think I think Kevin's um, philosophical nuclear bomb there kind of kind of destroyed anything I could have said. <laughs> Sorry, it's all right. It was really good. Thanks. I I think we all agree that digital comics are the future and that there's future evolutions to go. I guess the next question is what happens to the physical comic? What happens to periodical distribution? Does the floppy format of 32-page comics survive? Does that make sense at 3 or $4 adjusted for inflation from here on out? And then what happens to the graphic novel? Because we've been for two and a half decades talking about the graphic novel is the future. The graphic novel is the long-form flowering of comics as a literary medium. And while we've seen several good graphic novels, it seems that right as comics are sort of starting to be taken seriously, the graphic novel doesn't exist digitally. It can't transition as easily to digital as the floppy format can. So I know I've opened a big can of worms here, but... I had the pleasure of talking with Sam Viviano, who is the art director at Mad Magazine a couple of days ago, and he was talking about print and digital. And he was saying that 
he thinks, or he hopes, if he runs a print magazine, that the print used to be, especially in the, in the case where comics grew up and there were magazines, print was, was huge, it was, it was, but it was ephemeral. You know, you had magazines that you, and this is the same way it is in the magazine business, where you, you send a magazine out for a month, it sells for that month, and whatever doesn't sell for that month, the retailers rip the covers off and send them back. It's just, you know, you get it out for that month, it's done. It's, it's gone. Because that's the way pretty, newspapers, newspapers are pretty much, you know, on their last leg here. They're, they're circling the drain. And they used to be, you get it at your house, and then you throw it out. That, it's not just on cheap paper. It's, it, that's going to go away. Because digital is just so much more convenient. It's so much cheaper. And it's, if you want to get political, more environmentally friendly, supposedly. So, the ephemeral qualities of print are dying or dead. But, like you said, the graphic novel is having trouble becoming digital. And uh, what Sam Viviano was saying is that having something in print is kind of archival. It's, it's something just like, even though you can save a digital file on a hard drive and keep it with you, and even if it's a large digital file, like a digital graphic novel, something about having that book on your shelf is permanent. It's there. You know, like you said, I want to have that book on my shelf for 20 years, back at the beginning of the presentation. I like having that thing on, on the shelf. And actually, you could also make the argument that books are going to decay. They're going to get water damage, what have you, and that data might not. But data is just as easily susceptible to destruction. Everything is ephemeral. But I think that the idea of periodical is going to go digital mostly, if not entirely, within the next decade. And print is not going to die. I think that print will move towards longer format works, longer format ideas, because that's what print is really strong at. So basically we have a world in which the floppy comic is either a very, very niche market and is $25 a pop or doesn't exist at all. And really what we have is digital first-run distribution followed by big collections. Is that kind of the, the long-term model you're suggesting, David? That could happen. How the specifics of what it does and how it's collected and how they reprint it if they keep reprinting because they have it in data form. I don't know how that's going to work. That will probably change, and I hesitate to predict that because usually those predictions become obsolete within about six months. But as a general idea, I would say that on a trend, ephemeral print seems to be declining. Magazines, newspapers, comics, anything that's been listed as a periodical print publication that you essentially pick up, read, and either safe or collectible, or throw out, like, like a newspaper, all those industries are in decline. How that's going to change the specific, you know, redistribution models, I hesitate to say. Kevin? If you took all of the information of our whole history and combined that into one, like, nugget of information, it still would not equal the amount of information that you can access in this day and age right now. And that's only growing. To me, what that says is that at some point, the information is overwhelming in its size. Therefore, how would you know where to start? How would you know what part of the history you're interested in reading on, you know, the JSA or the JLA or the X-Men? 
to me what's going to happen then is, you know, we're, we're going to have to redefine continuity then because really what we're going to be accessing is kind of a discontinuous experience with comics where we can start with number one, but there's so many comics, there's so much history, there's so much continuity there that really you're probably going to start wherever your friends tell you to or where it was interesting. Now, you do do that when you read physical comics, but the difference is that, to me, there's something about that digital nature and that ethereum that's, that's, that's far more uh, distracting and overwhelming. So what you're saying, Kevin, then, is that the way in which we experience serial fiction, where the whole thing is all part of the same universe and what have you, is going to have to change because it's, it's, there's too much, and digital somehow exacerbates that problem? I would say so. If you look at how bands are now starting to publish music online, they're still publishing albums, but you're seeing more of a transition to, here, Radiohead has a new song up. They're going to offer that up for free. And while that is like a single, there isn't that need to collect or buy the whole album anymore. You can just buy the one song you like. And if that sort of mentality is what is pervasive overall to how we purchase things online, that's going to infect the digital comics then. We already do it, but I think you're going to see it more so now with the advent of digital comics because it's so easy. It's so accessible. I think that's fascinating. I'm not entirely sure that it's based on digital having too many options, like all the issues are are listed one after another. But I think that you're getting at kind of the depth of the album in music and what that might mean for comics. And, and it could be that all of the reconstructionists and, and all of the people who are clamoring for a story to be more compressed, that their savior might ironically be this, this new medium. If the single is everything in music today, what is the parallel for comics? It, it certainly would tend to lend itself to more done-in-one stories. If you think about, if we're talking about digital and print, with the exception of mostly mainstream comics, most, if not all, of the small press publish graphic novels, top shelf, first, second, pantheon, what have you. There's very little serialized content coming from those publishers. The serialized content is all coming from, you know, the same guys it's always come from, Marvel, DC, and you mentioned Dark Horse, too, serialized stuff as well. But everything is a story arc. Each issue is part of a larger story. You know, this is part three of six, part one of 12. Everything is that way now. Whereas comics started, you didn't have that because if you did, you didn't sell anything. The reader couldn't get other issues of the comic book. It was not until the direct market that you could even think about buying, okay, go see this, this story in Spider-Man number four. 46 instead of, you know, you just got that month's issue and now you threw it out and you missed that next month, tough crap. You can't get it unless you buy it until the direct market, unless you buy it at like a flea market. You know, you couldn't get it. So they didn't tell stories that way. And it was always, you need to have a story that's really self-contained that the person who picks this comic up can enjoy, whether or not they're already a fan. That mentality, which is somewhat still present in television, is completely gone from comics. You start a storyline and you get to part two, someone picks up part two, more often than not, if you haven't read part one, you don't know what the 
tell is happening. And I think that's a problem because it's, you're talking about the niche market, and it's not going to make things get larger. And I think that digital would make it, you're right, it would make it easier to have an arc all in one. And having all that, that, that could come back, that sort of storytelling that was everything here, whereas there's a lot of people who, who can now just wait for the trade paperback so I get it all at once. And I think that the Internet is such a, you know, if it was a person, it would, it would definitely have ADD because you can switch <laughs> to so many things so quickly that the idea that you're going to have a customer come in, a reader, and buy a 12-issue maxi-series from Comixology while they will, it's a little ridiculous to think that that's going to be sustainable because the new generations are going to have a new, not only aesthetic, but a new perspective on how to interface with things. And I think it's going to end up being very discontinuous. It's not going to be a a straight line, a, a history and a continuity anymore. I think you will see a reemergence of the done in one stories, and I think that it just simply has to. I have to imagine that the the monthly comic itself has been what has largely kept new readers away, and that's why I think digital comics you'll see a rise in readership. Graphic novels seem to grow each year from '98 to last year, with only a few dips, whereas regular monthly comics. They're all over the place. One year they're up, one year they're down, one year they're way down, the next year they're three times as much as they were before. That kind of fluctuation tells you, I think, that there's something going on in your readership. If you have this one strong, stable growth over here, but over here it's just widely variable, well, that's saying something about your product. And while I realize they rely heavily on that monthly revenue, there should be some sort of consideration of we're heading into a new era, we really need to figure out a new business model. And for comics' sake, they need to figure it out soon because there are going to be, with digital comics, there's more access for anybody to make a comic now. And we're, we're seeing it already, and we're going to see a slew of these come through. And most of them are going to be awful. They will. Just numbers do not lie. Most of this is going to be crap. But that's okay because at least it's giving an avenue to these people. And that's one of the other really great things about the digital comic and how it's going to change that perspective of the comic. It's going to be more democratic. Like I said, while it doesn't equal quality right now, that's getting somewhere. We're giving a voice to people that didn't have a voice before, and those voices could be outstanding. So there's a lot of really great things going here. I just think that it's going to take a change in mentality, a change in vocabulary, and a real dealing with how structurally this works and what it is. Has anyone read a long-form comic digitally? I'm talking more than 200 pages. I'm close on Freak Angels, but no. I have never read a long-form work digitally. When I was much younger, I read a little manga digitally. But that was was about it. Manga usually has a more rapid pace so that, say, 300 pages is less than 100 in in terms of American content and maybe 50 in terms of European content. Um, (laughs) Is it too early to pronounce the death of the graphic novel? David, you brought up for a second and and Top Shelf, and, and I love what they do. 
And I think that that is a model that makes a lot of sense in print. And those companies might be able to find some added revenue by serializing that digitally or, you know, making it also available digitally. But when I think of stuff that I want on my shelf for 20 years, I don't need most of my DC and Marvel stuff on that shelf that's mired in continuity and whatnot. I do want Watchmen, I do want Cages, I do want Palestine or whatever. So is it too early to say the absurd question, are we witnessing the death of the graphic novel, sort of the great white hope of comics, you know, for 25 years? I don't think that you're seeing the death of the graphic novel. I think what you're seeing is much like the monthly or the comic book overall, you're seeing a transition. Recently, I noticed on Bleeding Cool, they were reporting that Marvel is actually cycling out a handful of graphic novels that they're not going to publish right now. What it seems like they're going to do now is rely more on a Disney model, which is they're going to cycle through certain graphic novels. You're not going to see a Barnes & Noble with two bookshelves full of graphic novels anymore. You're probably going to see maybe one at best, maybe half, because they're really going to try to condense that down, I think. And that's a really smart move on their part because it creates that feeling of want and longing that you're not going to get with digital comics. When you have everything accessible, finding that work that you want to read or or, or just want to own isn't the same because it's right there. I just have to click two buttons. And I think that there's really something that probably goes back to that primitive nature in all of us of hunter-gatherer that we just we want to go out and we want to hunt something. We want to gather something. And the physical allows us to have that feeling of completeness, not just with story, but physically. There are certain books you just want to have on your bookshelf because you like owning them. There's a feeling of rapport there with that work for whatever reason. Maybe it took you a really long time to find it. Who knows? But with that said, that there, just, there has to be a change in the business model overall. We can't be unconscious of the effects that it's having on the market monetarily. We have to pay attention to that because that's how we monitor its health. And when we're not monitoring it or we're not being honest about what it's doing, we're just shooting ourselves in the knee. No, absolutely. I don't, I don't think that you're seeing the, the, the death of graphic novels at all. In fact, I would say in terms of print, they're only going to continue to be that steady, stable market that, that we were talking about. That's just the one that's continually growing year after year. At, at really, right now in sales, they're still a far behind monthlies, but monthlies are also cheaper. But what we consider to be a graphic novel or a comic book, you know, it, it, it's so variable. I mean, there's things there are things that sell that might be considered comic books or comic strip reprint collections or what have you, and like how Marvel is condensing their graphic novels, do you mean that they're condensing their trade paperbacks as in their reprint collections? Yes. Julian, you were saying you wanted Watchmen on your shelves. You wanted uh, Palestine on your shelves. You wanted... Those are all one-and-done stories. You have it. Watchmen originally came out as a maxi-series, but it's collected as a graphic novel right now. And you, having that story with you on your bookshelf is what you want. And... I look over at my bookshelf over here, and pretty much almost everything there is like that. So I, I think that's going to continue as a print thing, but that could just be our taste. I want to interview young people about that. It struck me with that announcement from Marvel that 
essentially what Marvel was saying is that we're going to treat these six-issue collections of mainstream titles as if they're just an extension of the floppy. Avengers Volume 6, which contains the next six issues, essentially that is a kind of meta-floppy. It seems to me that that announcement was a sign that Marvel's transitioning to that model, if indeed it, it ever was anywhere else. Interesting what you're saying about the, the meta floppy type thing because I'm looking over my bookshelf here again and I, I have like this isn't Marvel or DC but I have all the nine volumes of a collective bone and they just recently released like a complete bone which is just a huge giant book that has the whole thing I like the collective lines because they're in color and the complete is in black and white but the, and then and the next to it I have a couple arcs. Like I was talking about arc based storytelling, like uh, Silver Surfer Requiem. I did a review on that in one of my things. That, that was just a four part issue arc and I think it really benefited from being collected and reprinted because it really feels like a graphic novel. I'm like, this was released as issues and it, it only really occurs to me that these things were released as issues after the fact. Because most of the time my experience with them is in the graphic novel format. So I think really that depends on where the floppy, the 22-page story, is going. Because, in my opinion right now, most 22-page stories that are coming out today suck. They're horrible. And because they don't have a substantial amount of story content, they don't have a conceivable closure, they don't have a conceivable ending, and, you know, I'm not even going to get into continuity. If you're talking about how a lot of the graphic novels that we talk about, that Marvel talks about, Watchmen, what have you, they came out in issues, I think the, the only way we can see how that point is going to change is if we change the way we produce issues. When you're looking at something like Watchmen, those issues also had a beginning and ending that seems to be an art that has been lost in the years of decompression. Explicitly, I would say so. I mean, I read a chapter of Watchmen, an issue, and I'm like, wow, that, that, that was actually a satisfying story experience. And I think that that is actually at the core problem of not how it's distributed. I don't think digital or print is going to change that core problem of what you were saying about how the monthly format kind of alienates people. And I would I would say that totally. When I was... I read comics from my mother's stack, and then when I was in high school, it was spend a bunch of money trying to figure out what the hell is happening in comics or spend my money subscribing to World of Warcraft. I chose the second one. So it's sort of an alienating experience, and I think it's because you can't pick up a comic, finish it, and be like, wow, that was cool, I want more. You pick up a comic, and you're like, what's going on? The new 52. You still pick up, and you still go, what the hell is going on? To me, it looks like the serialized storytelling left comics, and it moved over to TV, because TV's really killing it right now with doing really well-done serialized storytelling. I mean, if you look at things like, obviously, like The Wire or anything, or even a show like Justified, or when it was good, Lost, even, did well because... While it was a long-form serialized project, each episode at least had some sort of arc in it that you could at least walk away feeling satisfied. You might not fully understand everything that was happening, but that's okay because there was enough going on that you could tap into and understand 
Justice League 1 to me, the, of the new 52, was completely off-putting because everything about it said, this will make sense when you read it in a graphic novel. It's not going to make sense right now. And to me, we're in a completely transitional phase here. Every, you know, almost everything in how we interact or deal with comics is changing. And some of it's growing, some of it's declining, and we're feeling a lot of growing pains, I think. And I think that says a lot to where we are as a medium and where we're going. And that the way is not fully, is not fully lit. We're, we're going to be in the dark for a little bit. But that's the, that's the fun part. This is the fun part. This is the cool part, you know, where we get to hammer it out, where we get to all figure out what is this thing, what do we want out of it, and why the hell do we even want it at all? Maybe we don't. Maybe the truth is, is that we don't want monthly comics at all, but we're just holding on to them because that's the routine. That's what we've done so long. And if there wasn't a new Comics Wednesday, we might just be roaming the streets like a lost dodo bird. David, you want to add anything? No, I got nuclear bombed again. Oh, sorry. <laughs> David, I'm so sorry. I'm just, I'm, I'm teasing you, man. It's okay. You're such a dick. I, I felt like I'm running for office or something. I'm running for president of comic books, apparently, so listen to me. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Kevin Thurman is the writer of Voyager Noise, upcoming from Secord, and a regular contributor to Secord.org. David Ballon also contributes to Secord.org, and you can see his most current portfolio at davidballon.com. Secord Research and Literacy Organization exists to promote comics as a legitimate form of art. It offers daily content on its website, secort.org. It publishes nonfiction books that analyze comics and take comics seriously. It even produces documentary films about comics. Find out more at secort.org. And if you'd like to help Secort through Amazon purchases, at absolutely no additional cost to you. Please visit secort.org slash Amazon. Imagine you're transported to a utopian future like Star Trek or uh, you're given a flight ring and sent to the 30th century. You know, what comics look like in your ideal experience, some sort of holographic display in oh, front of no. you. Uh, <laughs> if they're still images, aren't they still comics? I would really hope that my comics were actually good. That would probably be my greatest hope. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, guys.